0: goes on wonder when they see Just remember when
1: I don't know if Chris uh, Vasquez chose this, like, despite like the miserable football week and the show goes on Monday is that <laughs> is it, like is that some sort of
2: there's still hope for <laughs> the Giants fans and you Vikings fans and for UCF I, 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 the show I, goes I, I, on
1: I told my wife last night I'm sitting there watching the UCF basketball game and listening to Scott Adams are playing in Bahamas against Santa Clara I'm like I'm clinging to this I need something positive <laughs> to end the weekend and you know rooting crazy just so you know And they did win, so it's a nice win there. But, uh, wow. Yeah, show goes on. I mean, the mic was going to go hot here, and, you know, here we are. Happy uh, Monday to all. Welcome. Week of Thanksgiving. Uh, Most of the time, it's like my favorite week of the year. Just, you know, just a great week and football and family and everything and stuff. But, uh, you know, it wasn't a great football weekend. And, um, you know, got some other stuff going on that makes it a little bit different Thanksgiving. But, uh, anyway, we're here. Chris Vasquez is here uh, in for Scott Harris to be with us uh, tomorrow and on uh, Wednesday. So good to have Chris, uh, who is with us on uh, uh, Friday. So happy Thanksgiving week to you.
2: Thank you, Mark. You as well, sir.
1: Uh, Chris is wearing a Dallas Cowboys uh, shirt. Absolutely. Uh, Today, we'll get to all the NFL action uh, that was. Yeah, Jacobs, Mixon, Pollard. i got to start two of these guys. And, you know, Jacobs has been really good and Mixon. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll leave Pollard out. That editor the weekend as well. <laughs> I was just like, what else? You know? I don't have a dog, but if I did, somebody would kick it, I guess, you know, right now. No, we don't need to talk I mean, about fantasy football. Goodness, we- the cat still loves me, but um Wow. Well, yeah. So uh, anyway. World Cup's going on as we speak. Uh England leads Iran four one. Um We'll have a World Cup update brought to you by Fiddlers, uh, our partners for uh, the World Cup. We invite you to catch all the action, like the American match against Wales today at 2. Um, and we'll have a World Cup report throughout the entire tournament, about 10.50 uh, every weekday on our show. And, uh, again, England leads 4-1. They were 4 nothing. A couple of interesting side notes to this. The FIFA ticket app broke, and fans could not get into the stadium. And for England fans that knew that they couldn't buy beer inside there. That didn't go well. Uh, then the other bit of interesting news, the Iranian players standing, and tradition in World Cup, when you line up for an anthem, your team sings the anthem, and they didn't sing the anthem and booed by their own fans. Uh, was interesting. So um, we'll update to the World Cup uh, a little bit later on with our uh, update there. Um, Walter Jones is going to join us, the Hall of Famer, former Seminole great, And one of the best tackles ever played in the National Football League on uh, the program last week. Mike Frazier of JUCO Weekly that covers college football was on to tell us about the Walter Jones Trophy that goes to the top junior college player. They'll present that tonight at the Orlando Touchdown Club meeting in which Andrea Adelson is the guest speaker. And uh, you can go to OrlandoTDClub.com to learn more about that and the remaining uh, meetings that we've got in the tap room at Dubstred, dinner, great night of football talk, but we'll talk to Walter Jones on our program uh, today. So, Chris will be calling a football Hall of Famer and he'll be asking him if he's wearing the yellow Hall of Fame blazer.
2: Yes, as well as anything Seminoles related. Yeah. Uh,
1: Walter Jones played in 180 NFL games and started all of them. Yeah, it was great. So, look forward to talking with them. It'll be the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, Again, they'll present that award tonight, part of the lineup of the Orlando Touchdown Club. I, unfortunately, will not be there for that, because tonight we have a UCF night talk at uh, 7 o'clock. The show goes on, (laughs) as they say. Uh, 5-1 England now, they've scored again. You get a goal and you get a goal. Everybody gets a goal. Um, So we'll have that at 7 o'clock tonight tonight. And uh, Magic basketball on 104.5. The beat as they play the second of that two-game set against the Pacers. The Magic of the great win of Jalen Suggs with the three-ball to get the lead against the Bulls who then missed the final shot. And the Magic had a chance and arguably should have won against Indiana, but then lost as the Pacers came back uh, to win at the end of uh, that game. So, how was your rest of the weekend, Chris Vasquez?
2: Uh my weekend was good, you know, a little bit depressed on Saturday. Yeah. Uh Sunday was great. Cowboys smash the Vikings. Don't need to talk about fantasy football. Okay. That's pretty much all my weekend consisted of. Okay. Still trying to recover. There was a lot of drinking during my vacation. So I'm still trying to recover. So you're telling me you were still liquored up during the game on uh, uh Saturday? Uh no. Okay. Meaning, I don't want to drink. Oh, I don't want to see alcohol.
1: Oh, oh one of those that you're just, I got it. Yeah. 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 Uh, business interest. Bob Iger's back at Disney. Uh, a little bit of a Sunday surprise where Disney announces that, uh, Bob Chapek is stepping down and Bob Iger's coming back for a two year deal, which is significant news. That if you own Disney stock, impacted that this morning. Uh, I've watched the Formula One final race in Abu Dhabi. Max Verstappen won, but Sergio Perez could not get second place as uh, Charles Leclerc held on. Got interesting. Tires wore down. Perez closed the gap, but not enough. So uh, that was the final race of what wasn't a very exciting F1 season. I mean, Max Verstappen, who's my wife and I's favorite driver, dominated. But uh, it was not a very competitive year for F1, considering what they had the year before and all the controversy and all the... Netflix fans that came aboard, it wasn't a very good 22 as far as competition goes. So yesterday I'm shopping at Publix. Sunday morning, typical shopping, right? Okay. And as you can imagine, a lot of people are doing their Thanksgiving shopping. Okay? I like, uh, I got a game plan. Okay, when I get into Publix on a Sunday shopping, now there's rarely a day that I don't go to Publix because for some reason we need something every day. <laughs> but I go in Sunday and I've got a list. And, and my list is a master class in a shopping list, Chris Vasquez. Okay. It is broken down by aisle, wow. sections, subtopics, meaning if you need, for example, uh, although I don't eat much bread, bread, okay, bread what? Do you need bagel thins? Do you need wheat bread? It's broken, like, it's classic, okay? I want to see one of these lists. I'll save it for you. Um, and I knew Sunday yesterday was going to be a little bit crowded in the aisles, Okay. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I just like proper shopping cart etiquette and laws being followed. Stay to the right. Never never move your cart where it's in the middle. Not just the middle, but like turn to the middle. The front of the cart is facing one side of the aisle. You, yeah. you just can't do that. Okay? And if you're three people, be respectful to let people pass. Mm-hmm. But I found this a lot yesterday. People that for some reason want to announce to you something about what they're now getting. Okay? I don't need gravy. I've got all the gravy that I need for this week and so forth, but I had to go down that aisle to get something. So I turn, and because of traffic, I stop, and for some reason, the guy's like, ah, got to get gravy. (laughs) Yeah, okay, so get whatever you want. Or same thing happens. I got to get tomatoes. person's like, Need four tomatoes. What do I care? Get your tomatoes, right? <laughs> then the uh uh the chips aisle. I'm getting some uh chips because, you know, we make a little uh uh spinach artichoke dip, right? Mm-hmm. On the chip aisle. So many options. what's going on? Like what what is everybody like told, hey, guy in black shirt, just tell him what you're getting and so it happened, like, four times. Like, oh, yeah, what to get, what to get. Got to get.
2: Just get it, man. <laughs> just get it. I don't need to, you know, I don't got to break it down. Someone's trying to, you know, start small talk. I don't need a small talk. You know, the gravy's what it is. You ever get the uh, the guys who compliment you on what you're getting? Like, oh, Lay's good choice. You ever get one of those guys? Yeah, I don't mind proper checkout etiquette
1: and stuff. Like, well, I'm it, talking it, about, and, like, if you're
2: down the aisle. I don't know. Like, no.
1: And then, you know, I'm big about putting the, uh, the little yellow... Yeah. Stick between. The divider. So everybody did their part and, and, and stuff like that. But um, And I don't have a problem with this because this happened to uh, two people in front of me. If you forget something, okay, I'm okay go getting the item. But I do think there's a fair time to get it. And I do think some people got to decide, I'm not going to get it at the pace that I think is fair. Can somebody go get it for me? So the guy two spots in front yesterday, he looks like he's got still decent speed meaning a, a proper walk to go get the item, okay? I think a minute is fair, okay? What you can't do is you can't disappear, and you can't come back with more than one item. If you forget one item like tin foil, I'm going to go get aluminum foil. I'm going to yeah. run. It's right there. I'll get it and come back. You can't go, right, get the foil, right, then go get the box of stuffing, and then go get a bag of candy. Now you've gone three different aisles, and I think it's a major violation. I, would, I have no patience
2: for that. I would agree with that. If there's something you forgot, if you like forgot tin foil and then say like an aluminum pan, if it's same by, aisle, if it's by the same thing, yeah, you can't go three aisles over. No, that I would agree with. Yeah, but so I thought, what
1: should happen? We should all throw his stuff on the floor. No,
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. What I mean, what the cashier should have done is save the order, get him out of the way, and then just keep the line moving. It was fine. It was good. You know, ah, got to get the gravy. Then get it. What do you want me to do? There's options right there. Get it. Well, what, what what what? Then he's wanting you to compliment his choice, whatever he gets. He's he initiated the small talk, so now you gotta play. What the are you compliment. looking me to do? <laughs> what 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 what's my
1: role here? Okay? I don't know. You need one jar, two jars, and stuff like that, you know?
2: Maybe Go he, get it. Maybe he wants you to
1: announce what you're getting. <sighs> what am I getting? I'm getting by you to move up the aisles, <laughs> what I'm doing, okay? That's what I'm doing. I'm getting by you. All right. We'll talk about what happened Saturday morning at UCF. We'll talk about what happened in Nashville. We'll talk about what happened in Tallahassee. We'll talk about what didn't happen at Clemson and everything else in college football, plus uh, a Sunday in the NFL that wasn't... I mean, it wasn't a schedule like, wow, great games, but there were some interesting games and storylines. Um, and by the way, if you're the Chargers or anybody else, here's my advice. The next time it comes down to a play like that, just put 10 guys on Kelsey, okay? Because if I'm going to get beat, I'll get beat by somebody else. I'm not going to get beat by the one guy that's going to make the catch and throw. So I would have dropped 10 in coverage on Kelsey. Well, that would have left other guys open. I don't care, okay? Let him throw to somebody else.
2: Just put 10 on Kelsey. Who else was getting the ball last night in that game? Yeah, that's... Uh... Right? Right? I mean, it's been like that all season, and yet Kelsey's still putting up five, six, seven catches and two, three touchdowns a game. Yeah, yeah. just put 10 on him. Rush one, but put 10
1: on Kelsey. But that leaves a lot of guys open. I don't care. <laughs> I'll lose to somebody else. I'm not losing to him. What happened at UCF? We'll explain and what the implications are next. The Sports, Bardanos on this Monday. Brought to you by our friends at Seminole Power Sports. Number one in fast fun. Reinhard Road in Sanford. Highway 441 in Eustis. Happy Thanksgiving for our friends at Seminole Power Sports. Some great deals going on now with the holidays. And it's always good to treat yourself. You work hard. Nothing wrong with that. Find what you need at SeminolePowerSports.com and visit our friends at uh, Seminole Power Sports. 5-1 uh, England, uh, final four minutes of uh, the first World Cup match of the day. The U.S. and Wales later today at uh, 2 o'clock, the third and final match of today. The uh, Cup began yesterday with Ecuador beating uh, Qatar by a score of 2 uh, nothing. Um At 96thegame.com, you can read a column that I put up. The Monday notebook during the college football season uh, is up and uh, touches on a number of things. Uh, a little bit of the nights little recruiting story in the Gators and some other nuggets in college football, plus the final note, which is how many turkeys are eaten on Thanksgiving, which I bet, Chris
2: Vasquez, you did not know. Well, obviously it's going to be in the millions. And you
1: should go because I'm not telling you because I want the free click. So click on 96inthegame.com and find my column.
2: Well, I'm going to write down a number and I'm going to see how close okay. I am. All right. You can do that.
1: Um, there are moments in every season of every sport, and in this case, in college football it becomes the most significant moment of that season now it can become a secondary significant moment because there may be another one that follows until you are in the final game of a season and the outcome that you had set as a goal goes your way and for UCF they found themselves in a situation for consecutive weeks Three, where it was the biggest game of the year. After losing to East Carolina and looking as if attaining their goal was gone of winning a conference championship and playing in a major bowl game, uh, they beat Cincinnati. Then came the next biggest game to go on the road and beat Memphis. And they did. Then the next biggest game to go to New Orleans and beat Tulane, it was a ranked team, and if you won, you controlled destiny in the conference. And they did. And they were in the position of coming home to take on a 3-7 and seven Navy team. And if you won that game, to take on what now is a 1-10 South Florida team to host a conference championship game. And if you did win that game, then get to a New Year's Six Bowl, which this year is the Cotton Bowl. So the next biggest game for UCF was their game this past Saturday against Navy. And everything indicated that UCF is on a roll, playing well, and should win the game. They were double-digit favorite. And yet, the beauty and sometimes cruelty of sports is that you do play the game. And no matter what you can assume, as far as an outcome, how the game will be played. And by the way, there are many games that your team, whether UCF Gator, Seminole, Cowboy, whatever. And I used to often talk about this with Jerry Green, the late, great Jerry Green. Just because you pick someone to win and they win doesn't mean that your observation was right. Like, how many times do you watch a talking head on TV, Chris Vasquez, and someone says, Here's how the game's going to go, and so and so is going to win. For example, if somebody said, Hey, the Cowboys at Minnesota, tough game. I think they got enough, you know, they'll edge them out and win in a last second field goal. Can you really come in today and go? I told you so because no. the Cowboys won. Absolutely not. If you said, "I think the Cowboys are better and I think they're going to blow out the Vikings and they're going to do it comfortably," people would have said, "Wow!" Then that guy gets to come in today and go, "I told you so." Yeah, right. But you don't get to. <laughs> you don't get to go. See, I nailed it. No, you didn't. So even when your team wins, sometimes it doesn't go the way expected, it. and it works sometimes the other way when your team loses. Quickly, 10 o'clock hour. WYGM Orlando, WJR HD2, Cocoa Beach. Orlando sports leader Mark Daniels and the Beat of Sports. That game on Saturday starts with Navy's first drive. And Navy does what Navy does run the triple option. Uh And they move 12 play 75 yards. And even the third play of the game was a sign to come. Navy faces third down and three, right? They get four. Then they face third down and one. They got three. Then they got to play for 46 yards. Okay. And then they score. 12 plays, 75 yards. Nothing complicated about it. And if you're UCF, you're like, all right, okay, all right, well, you know, let's settle down here. Um, Then UCF punts. Fans want to go for it on fourth and one. Go for it. Okay. They punt. And then Navy gets the ball back, and they punt, and then you get a little bit of frustration. UCF goes 13, plays 55 yards, and in the red zone has to settle for a field goal. First couple of possessions, a few things stood out. Uh, One, the great crowd. 11 a.m. start. By the time mid-first quarter came, that place was packed. It was great. Great crowd. But all of a sudden, John Rice Plum is not a run threat. He is not running by design. And a few passes, even though he hit a couple of early passes, he also missed on a couple. And doesn't look the same that the guy that came out as a run threat against Tulane. And there's no reason to not think he would not be a run threat against Navy. sure Navy thought that, but he's not. He ran two times and one was not by design. Missed on a couple of passes. And the offense is not sharp for UCF. Um, They settled for a field goal after their first field goal. Got the ball at the 45, got a big 37-yard pass, and we go back to that pass play. Even though it's a Javon Baker for 37, he underthrows him. Now, that was going into the win, but he doesn't hit him in stride. If he does, it's a touchdown. So Baker makes the catch. It's good for 37, but then the drive stalls. Johnny Richardson in a sweep, loses three. Uh, RJ Harvey runs for seven. They miss on a third down pass. Settle for a 31-yard field goal. It's 7-6. And then... Navy. Third and six. They're not disguising anything. Third and six. Daniel Jones. Not the guy that sucked with the Giants yesterday, but (laughs) the guy that ran for Navy. Uh, Florida kid, by the way. Runs for 11. The big fullback runs for 20. Then, third and one. They get three. Fourth and two. They get five. And they are winning every short yard battle. And the and view back and take a look. It's one to convert the third downs, but they were successful on second down in the sense that it put them in manageable third down situations. And then a few fourth down situations, uh, a couple head scratchers. They lined up fourth and two, fourth and one with nobody over the center. Xavier, our line who cares if the play is called snapping to me and we're going to fall forward here? And they converted that because. They didn't have somebody over the center. So it's 14-6 of the half, and Gus Malzon makes a change, and Mikey Keane comes out. Either A, I just need something different. B, John Rice is not 100%. Yeah, the hell Mary at the end of the first half was well short. Again, it's into the win. Whatever it is. And Mikey Keane comes down. And you're like, all right, boom, there we go. All right, look at that. Um, the long pass played to Ryan O'Keefe. Then he got sacked. Which was a sign of things to come. Then he hits Javon Baker, twenty eight yards and a great catch. Plumly throws the two point conversion, coming in and, and splitting out wide as the receiver then gets the uh the end around and throws to Baker. It's fourteen fourteen. And the buildings bouncing you feel like, okay, all right, settle down. Okay? Then then you force a three and out. And get the ball at your own thirty-two-yard line. Incomplete pass, ran for six yards and a third down and four side hit, Keene fumbles a football, Navy recovers. The momentum is gone. You force a field goal from 43 yards out, at 17-14. Now, okay, get the ball back. After the fumble in which Keen got hit, and if you go back and take a look, Navy basically blitzed all the time. And they got to Mikey Keene. And they hit him. And they sacked him. And UCF's offensive line struggled to pick up a blitz and figure out what Navy was doing defensively. Uh, Because after the touchdown drive by UCF, the rest of their drives in the football game are the fumble that led to the Navy field goal, punt, 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 and then stopped on downs. And after getting the ball back on a Navy punt, 8.51 to go, and I remember saying this in the broadcast, I don't know how many more possessions you're going to get because of Navy's ability to just do what they do. So that's why that drive became critical. Third and 18, and Keane hits Javon Baker, who makes a great catch. Uh, Kobe Hudson makes a catch for seven. Bowser runs for six. Uh, then your first down. Navy's side of the field. You think, okay, you're going to be positioned to at least get a field goal to tie the game. You need a touchdown to uh, try and put the uh, uh, game on your side. R.J. Harvey runs for five. Incomplete pass. After the one-yard run by Bowser. Third down and four. Incomplete pass. Fourth down and four. They jump the route in the slant to Baker. Maybe gets the ball back. They run the clock out. Again, short yardage situations. They win the battle. Uh, UCF's defense in the second half made adjustments. They gave up in the second half 82 yards and 31 plays, and 35 of those came on that final drive. That final drive matters. What I'm saying is before that final drive, that defense gave up 47 yards in the second half. So they made adjustments and made it tough on Navy. Again, Navy's possessions in the second half are punt, field goal that came after the uh, uh, sack and fumble, and then punt, punt, punt and then the drive to end the game. So the defense makes adjustments. The offense struggled and could not pick up Navy when they blitz and not getting into deep football terms. There's zero coverage defense, and UCF didn't have an answer. And that's how you lose. And um, it is frustrating, obviously, your fan. And and I say this, and I'm going to say it again. I get every fan's level of frustration. You emotionally, and these days, you financially invest in your football team. And I always believe college football is different than the NFL. It is, to me, two different fandoms. Different in many ways. Um, I think pro fandom is different than college fandom. Uh, So I get it. I get the anger. I get, you know, you're mad at everybody. You know you want everybody benched. You want everybody fired. You want the play-by-play guy fired. I need this job. Um, I get it. OK, now some of you get to the extreme that that, that that live out there, you know, like I had somebody yesterday go, how are you not sick? Like, what should I be doing? Throwing up on, on the toilet all day? Like, I mean, what, what do you want me to do? Life goes on. And there's enough other stuff in my life right now that it brings some balance. OK, um, but uh, uh, yeah, it stinks. Um, it is. And I've been doing this 28 years. It is the most painful loss because of what was at stake. Now there's no guarantee. Again, you still have to beat South Florida, then win a conference championship game. But for where they were late in the season, it is it's one of the more painful losses that I can remember. You know, in 2019, it it was different. I mean, they began the year with the regular season win streak and lost the bowl game. You know, McKenzie doesn't play in that game, and they lose at Pitt. Okay. Lost the game, then two weeks later lost at uh, Cincinnati, uh, 27-24. But that happened middle of the season where there wasn't as much at stake. Now, they were still in the uh, conference hunt after the uh, Cincinnati loss and then Tulsa's loss put it away. But for where they were right now and what was in front of you, yeah, that is one of, if not the most painful loss that I can remember. Um. Because now you cannot host the conference championship game, and it sets up scenarios and potentially computers, as I write in the Monday Notebook at 96 com. Who would have thunk BCS computers are back in your life if you're UCF? (laughs) It has been nine seasons since the BCS, and it is ironic. The last season we had the BCS, the computers put Florida State and Gus Malzahn's coach Auburn team in the national championship game. That was Jimbo Fisher. I think he misses those things. <laughs> but, um And now the scenarios are what they are. Tulane plays at Cincinnati this week. The winner hosts the conference championship game and is in the driver's seat to get to the Cotton Bowl. Um, and UCF needs help to get to the conference title game. The easiest path to do that is to beat South Florida and have Tulsa beat Houston. Now Tulsa went to East Carolina, who I still think is a pretty good football team, two, six and four teams, and I thought really competitive game, and they annihilated East Carolina. 45-3. Just destroyed them. Um and Tulsa put up 48 on South Florida, but I mean they're four and seven. I don't envision Tulsa going to Houston and beating Houston. So the best path is UCF wins and Tulsa beats Houston. If that happens, then the loser uh, would be 6-2 and two like UCF, 6-2, and two, and they'd win the tiebreaker because UCF beat both Cincinnati and Tulane. That's the cleanest path. If that doesn't happen, again, if UCF loses, they're out. Um, if there's a three-way tie, meaning the loser of Tulane-Cincinnati would have two losses, and then UCF and Houston would have two losses, The highest-ranked team in the college football playoff then would get in. Well, what happens if Tulane Cincinnati play a close game? Does the loser of that game stay inside the college football playoff rankings? If they do, and UCF and Houston are not, that's the tiebreaker. Highest-ranked college football playoff ranking. Okay? What if nobody other than the Cincinnati Tulane winner is ranked by the committee? If that happens, meaning Cincinnati Tulane the winner, they're the only American team ranked in the top twenty-five of the playoff committee. What happens next? Well, four computers. They're all once part of the BCS model. Four computers: the Anderson and Hester, the Billingsley, the Collie Matrix, which was kind to UCF in twenty seventeen, and the Wolf. That's a, that's a retired professor at UCLA. <laughs> its rankings. Uh, The four computer rankings are then used, and the average of the four, the highest ranked team, goes then to the playoff. I mean, goes to the championship game. Why? Because in that scenario, Tulane, UCF, Houston, they all did not play each other. UCF did not play Houston. So, right now, Tulane, among the four, they have the highest computer ranking, and only three are out. The Anderson-Hester, I guess he doesn't go to work until Monday. Um, right now, lanes higher than Cincinnati, than UCF-Houston. In the computer model, based on the team that they're playing, I don't think Houston's going to pass UCF. If UCF wins and Houston wins, I don't see the computer model that gives Houston a chance to get past UCF. I, I, I don't think that happens. The challenges, though, Does the loser of Cincinnati and Tulane either, A, stay ranked in the college football playoff rankings or move behind UCF in the computer average? That's the one that I think is a challenge for UCF. I don't know if that happens, which is why tomorrow night's college football playoff rankings are fascinating. Because here is a scenario. To the shock of a lot of people, yesterday's AP poll had UCF ranked 25th which in the history of group of five teams in rankings, it's hard to have the third loss and still have yourself ranked. But UCF was 25th or 26th in the coaches' poll. Does the optics of that have any impact on the playoff committee, or does the playoff committee's own work still keep UCF ranked? I have no idea. They were the highest-ranked team going into this weekend, Does the committee still have them 24th or 25th? And here's why that's important. If they are, if they are, then a win, and it may have to be a big win, does a big win and then a lopsided Cincinnati two-lane game give you a chance to move ahead of that loser? Now, like, if they play a close game, the loser may still stay So, look. That's where you go from controlling your destiny to now needing things like that to happen. That's, that's the difference of what that game was uh, on Saturday uh, for UCF. And if you want a little bit more salt in your wound, Tennessee's loss to South Carolina, the same South Carolina team that didn't get an offensive touchdown against Florida the week before, the same Florida team that lost to Vanderbilt, put up 63 on Tennessee, feel terrible for Hendon Hooker, the ACL out for of the year. But the domino of that means that Tennessee's going to miss the college football playoff. Which means when you begin to slot teams down in bowl matchup, it is likely, it is very likely, that a win by a certain team in the Iron Bowl this week would punch their ticket to the Cotton Bowl, which means Alabama is the likely team to play in the Cotton Bowl. We'll leave that there. Uh, Other college football stuff. Florida's lost to Vandy. FSU inching closer towards a 10-win season. I don't know what Miami was against Clemson and why Brett Bealam is right next
0: when I was a young boy in the city all
1: the Venus sports you know, on this Monday. Chris Vasquez, by the way, sitting in for uh, Scott Harris. Well-deserved uh, day off for Scott. I'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday. Can I tell you a quick story before I get more college football? Yes, please. I like uh, shrimp and grits. Okay. Um, and to me, I, instant grits is fine. There's, to me, I can't really taste the difference. It's what you do with the shrimp and the seasoning and what I put into it. So I like to uh, use larger shrimp. And uh, courtesy of Chris Gentry, I got a great little seafood seasoning I put on top. I'll add some bacon and then a little bit of uh, uh, shredded cheddar cheese. Mix it up and so forth. So, so you know, the instant packets of of grits, right? Mm -hmm. So, I'll use three or four, which is a lot, but okay. So, you know, you've got to open the packet and then pour it in the water and then put it in the microwave. Easy, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes you shake things to level it out so you can rip all open, right? Yeah. So for some reason, as I shake, one of them had a rip and opens and flies. And it's the classic case where there can't possibly be this much in one packet. (laughs) Chris, it was like a snowstorm is in my kitchen. I mean, there's stuff like 30 feet away. Like, how did it get back here? My wife this morning came down and go, it's still all over the place. And I spent like an hour cleaning it up last night. Did you just stare at the bag like... Right. No, no. Right, right, right. How does this happen? Right. It's everywhere. The counter on the, fridger, uh, uh, on the fridge, in the sink, in the back, by the stove, on the wall. Like, there's not enough in this package to cause all of this. <laughs> How is it everywhere in the kitchen right now? The meal was great, though. I'll tell you that way. Well, that's good. The meal was From what you salvaged. <laughs> the meal was great. <laughs> um, anyway. All right. So, elsewhere in college football, outside of uh, the UCF. And, by the way, can I just add this about UCF? Um, And I know, listen, there are people that text in, and if you want to blame me for the loss, it's fine. If you think that tonight on uh, the UCF radio show, if you would like me to grill Gus Malzahn like it's meet the press in the 70s, um, it's fine if you think that. That's not what that show is, okay? Will I ask fair questions tonight of Gus Malzahn? Absolutely. If you're looking at me to say, what are you going to do, and, 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 and be? then yell at me all you want and go on a message board and post that I'm a bad person and you'll find enough other people that will back you up. And if it makes you feel better, it's great, man, okay? But I will ask questions, but as a couple of people texting in a bite, I owe it to you to ask the question. Right, because what? If you ask a question in anger and he gives an answer that you don't like, do you go, well, okay, I'm better now?
2: I mean, just—I do have a quick question. Yes. Given that UCF has sh- had trouble stopping the Blitz, why not set up more screens, more running back screens? I feel like the running back There's screens... Gone
1: with, a- and, and uh, Chris, those questions are fine as fans. I've said that before, okay? I, I, I understand the emotion that fans have. And it's okay to be an armchair quarterback. I've said this many times. You don't have to play to, to, to understand the game. And, and as a fan, go, gosh, why didn't we do this, this, this? And that's fine. And I'll ask some of those questions tonight, okay? It's those that get to the extreme, like, you want to shut the program down, you know? Or or or, 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 or every person connected should be fired immediately, you know? Like, that's going to fix everything. I kind of like having my job. You know, everybody's got to go. And, you know, it's like I said to Mike earlier, and it applies to, 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 to Florida, who lost to Vanderbilt, Okay. Just because you think your team should never lose to this list of teams doesn't mean they'll never lose to this list of teams. You see, you know what happens sometimes? You actually win games once in a while against teams that you're realistically, I don't think we're supposed to win that, and then you win. And you're like, well, because we're as good as them. And you're like, eh, I don't know if you are. But sometimes blank happens, right? The unexplained. South Carolina, Florida. Couldn't score an offensive touchdown. Okay. Same offense, same quarterback who this past week was ripped in South Carolina. What a letdown, came from Oklahoma, NIL deal, his whole line of products and everything. What'd this guy do for us? Scored at will against Tennessee on Saturday. Just guys wide open all over the field. And outside of the, making great passes. I watched that game. Spencer Ridley made some throws like, dang, where'd that come from? Explain. You can't. It's college football sometimes, man. You can't explain it. doesn't mean that you're not right as a fan to be angry or disappointed. It's just, again, to what extent do you want? I'm going to abandon the program, and I'm never. No, you're not. No, you're not. You know. I mean, sometimes, and it's why pro sports is different, no one abandons their college team for another team. No one ever does that. Okay. There are bandwagon fans in pro sports a lot. You know, like I pick on Chris sometimes and I think he fits into that. But, Stop the guy, it. but, 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 you know, the guy that's the Laker, Cowboy, Yankee, and Duke fan. Okay. <laughs> and he's from Chicago. No. But no one abandons their college football team. No one does. You love them. You hate them. You love them. You hate them. You love them. You're there. Okay why did florida lose to vandy uh let's see bad penalties um several players made play mistakes meaning that's the wrong decision there don't do that a costly personal foul uh not picking up guys in basic defensive set- I, stuff happens and then a game and then a game begins to get away from you i mean y- y- You think Florida kind of envisions, well, Vandy's going to get off to this greats. No! You're Florida, hey, man, we got to go last couple of weeks. We're playing pretty good and stuff like that. And wait a minute, why is Vandy doing that? Why are we committing this penalty? Why did we make this personal foul at this key moment? How are they complaining passes? Oh, that's right. The key guy in defense gets ejected for targeting, which, by the way, misses half this week. Um, And all of a sudden, you're looking up going, what the blank? And guess who wasn't a run threat? Anthony Richardson. And they lose. So everybody jumps ship there, right? You know, like Mike's reading some of the text this morning. Neighbor's on the hot seat. Because I'm reading some some guy that writes on a website that I go to to kind of laugh at times about college football. The honeymoon is over. Oh, he gets to determine the honeymoon. Everybody, Bob at soandso dot com. The honeymoon's over. Okay, okay. Or what? They're not firing him, okay? <laughs> he's not getting fired. Um, But that's the emotion of what this does to you. Yeah, it's not a good loss against Vanderbilt. But as Mike said this morning, and he's right, in the scheme of the season, all right, you wanted them to be seven and four going to Florida State. Now they're six and five. They might finish six and six to go to bowl game. They might have been seven and five to go to bowl game. If they win this week, you'll feel good again. They're not gonna win this week. Maybe they won't. I don't know. FSU's pretty good right now. Um Speaking of FSU, in my Monday notebook that I wrote today, Florida State in a twelve team playoff would have something to play for this week. They would, and I'm telling you, I brought this up last week. They're eight and three, playing Florida this week, and here's why this week would actually be significant for Florida State if we had the twelve team playoff. I'm not saying that they would be a overwhelming choice among the six at large teams in the twelve team playoff. You get the highest six ranked champions, then six at large teams, but they'd be in the mix and they'd have a resume to make an argument. Last week, I pointed out in the college football playoff rankings where Florida State moved ahead of UCF last week, and people go, well, why? And I said, because a lot of the metrics that the college football playoff committee uses, strength of schedule, strength of record, meaningful possessions, um, things like that, Florida State's numbers are like top 12, 13. And those metrics didn't get hurt by their performances past week against the Louisiana team that they dominated a 9 and 3 Florida State team. Because even Florida's numbers before Vanderbilt, Florida's numbers for a 6 and 4 team with some of the metrics that the college football playoff committee uses and even some of these computer rankings had Florida like top 25. Their resume in a 12 team playoff for Florida State, I think would have them maybe not near the top, but if you had say 12 teams or 10 teams in the argument for those six... They would be in it. That's how good Mike Nervell's team has played towards the end of the season here. Um, I, I, I tried to watch some of the Miami-Clemson game. It was just... It was hard to watch at times. And I actually think Miami's defense did some things to keep them in the game, even in the third quarter. Uh, just from an offensive standpoint, Miami could do nothing. Um, And Mario Cristobal... Knew it, his freshman quarterback was overwhelmed. They couldn't run the ball. And now they play Pitt to try to be bowl eligible on uh, Saturday. Um, I mentioned this earlier to Mike about TCU. You get those seasons sometimes. If you're a UCF fan in 2017 and really in 2018... When everything goes your way, when everything bounces your way, when every game you find yourself in a situation where, wow, we're going to be able to win it. That's why I'm fascinated and I love the TCU season. Part of it is because of the Big 12, but I love teams like that. That every single week they are in this what is going on game and find a way to win. And that's the journey that your fans love you, okay? Go back and take a look how bad they were last year, okay? Really bad. And now here they are, two wins of playing in the playoffs. Uh, and here they are again, at Baylor, down to the game, got to come back, uh, and then late, need to make a big play, no timeouts, field goal unit runs on the field, and kick the field goal, and everybody goes, yeah, well, they practiced that every Thursday, and it came into play. Two other teams found themselves struggling and found a way to win. They'll play this week. Um, Ohio State found a Maryland team. The other tongue of Iota who actually, his career numbers will be one of the best Maryland quarterbacks ever. It's funny, you go back and take a look at well, Boomer and His numbers dwarf Boomer. They didn't throw the ball so much back then. But anyway, um, they're in the game. But Ohio State is... I said I won. <laughs> They've got like 20 dudes are in the NFL the next couple of years in that team. It's unbelievable. Uh, Michigan? Now, I didn't get to see most of the Michigan game because by the time UCF game ended and I was driving on the way home... Uh, I did see the no-pass interference call on Michigan. Now, if you're a Michigan fan, apologize for nothing, uh, because I do believe over the years your brand builds up value that it, it works. Brett of the Illinois coach, he didn't toe the line. He just told you how, how ticked off he was about the no-pass interference call that allowed Michigan to get in position to kick a game-winning field goal. Uh, he's right. It's a bad no-call. Uh, he's also right that conferences protect brands. There's no question about it. I've talked about this for years, about no need for conference officials, and no one has to say it. Everybody knows. And in the Big Ten, you had to do what you needed to do to protect Michigan and Ohio State. And if it's a no-call in a situation like that, it's a no-call. He's right. And, and you, cannot, you cannot look at that play and think that Brett Bielema is wrong. Having said that, a Michigan fan owes no one an apology because not your job to throw the flag. And now you get Ohio State and Michigan both undefeated uh, this week. But they're not going to call that. They're not going to call that at that moment. And Brett Bielema uh, is absolutely right uh, about it. One other point, I brought this up earlier in the bridge, and circumstances make it even hard to bring up. In a way, if you go back to the American, if UCF somehow finds a way to get into the conference championship game and wins, they may not get that New Year's 6 slot. Because three, not one, but three Sunbelt teams are fairly decent ranked both in the voting polls and, and these computer rankings in Coastal Carolina, Troy, and South Alabama. And in a way, Coastal Carolina did not play that game against Virginia this past week because of the tragedy that took place in Charlottesville. They could have won that game. They also could have lost. That loss... If they had lost, and Coastal win the Sun Belt, I don't think they would be ranked out of the American champion. Not playing that game may actually help Coastal, and again, it feels bad to bring it up because the circumstances there, but that may benefit Coastal if somebody other than the winner of Tulane Cincinnati wins the American. Complicated, but just thought I'd bring that up. We come back, the day in the National Football League, all three Florida teams didn't lose. They didn't play. Uh, but there were some interesting games. We'll get to that. Walter Jones, the Hall of Famer, joins us in the 11 o'clock hour, uh, all coming up on the Beat of Sports. The The Beatles Sports, Martin Daniels on this uh, Monday. We're brought to you by our friends at Florida Citrus Sports. It's bowl season. And you can get your tickets now for the Cheese It Bowl and the Cheese It Citrus Bowl. Uh, Coming up, holiday season. Log on to floridacitrusports.com and get yourself set for bowl season. Chris Vasquez is sitting in for Scott Harris uh, today and this Monday. You look like you want to say something.
2: Nope, just, uh, just love these shows. The Cowboys, legit Super Bowl contenders now
1: time to fill, Scott. That's what yeah. it's called, time to fill. Um, you just call me Scott? Did I? Scott, Bob, Jim, Mike, whatever <laughs> needs to be. Take it. <laughs> Don't be offended by it. Um, so uh, yesterday the National Football League,
0: the
1: beauty of the NFL is whatever you think the Sunday's going to be like, it takes you on turns and peaks and valleys and uh, all that stuff. Uh, but yesterday was interesting. Um The Bills play their game in Detroit against the Browns because of what happened with the snowstorm. Uh, They win 31-23. Important for Buffalo because of that division race with the Dolphins off. And then you have the Jets are playing the Patriots. Wow. Uh, You would have thought that was in six feet of snow the way nobody could score points. Um, And yet it's a 3-3 football game. And despite whatever the Jets tried to do, they're in the game 3-3, and then Marcus Jones returns a punt 84 yards for a touchdown. The ultimate armchair quarterback, okay? We get Zach Wilson in criticism. The ultimate armchair quarterback is what in that situation?
2: I know everyone's going to that was an illegal block in the back. No, no, but I
1: mean before you even get to that.
2: Why are you punting a li- why are you doing a line drive punt? Or Punt the ball deep out of bounds
1: so that I can't get beat on a punt return. But you're also thinking, hey, in that spot, they're going to fair catch it. We're probably going to go to overtime. Well, not only that, the Jets have punted, what, like 10 times already in the game before that? Uh, And at the same time, in some defense of the Jets, I'm not knocking Marcus Jones. It's not like, no way, Jones is deep? (laughs) Okay. Um, He's a rookie. Mm -hmm. And he runs it back for a touchdown and and the, the the live camera shots of the Jets sideline are classic. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. Because somehow some way the 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 Jets are where they are in this division race and they have a game like that offensively where you're like what in the world is going on. Zach Wilson is 9 of 22 for 77 yards. Um Four sacks, a QBR of twenty four point five. He did lead the team in rushing with twenty six yards. Ugh. Now you can also go. Wait a minute. The Patriots end of an offensive touchdown. Mac Jones was twenty three of twenty seven for two forty, I think in a stretch of what ten or eleven straight completions. Um, and yet, it took that punt return for the Patriots uh, to win. Big win. New England six and four. Jets are six and four. Bills and Dolphins, as much as, Chris, I joke about the depth of the NFC's, both the NFC's and AFCs are best divisions in football right now. Absolutely. No, for sure. Best divisions in football. Um, not playoff implicating, although the Falcons are still in the South Division race. How about, about Cornell Patterson? How about, you know. Devin Hester, to me, is the greatest kick returner ever. Mm-hmm. But Patterson is a freak in the sense yeah. of Running back, wide receiver, returner. The dude's a freak. The dude's insane. Take notes, Debo Samuel. Then Jeff Saturday is looking for a second consecutive win.
2: How can they hold on?
1: And then the Eagles find a way, like Moses in the parting of the sea in a bad Sunday night movie on ABC. <laughs> Not because of the story, but just the production. Uh, the sea opens, and Jalen Hurts is like, really? There's nobody here between me and the goal line? I'll run. And uh, and the Eagles win. And a huge win because their win with the Giants blanking the bed <laughs> now gives them a two-game lead. Uh, because, yes, the Giants decided, hey, let's keep on ruining Mark's football weekend if we can. <laughs> As the Lions come in and just beat up the Giants. Beat up the Giants. And Daniel Jones, who played respectable for the last month and a half, uh. Didn't look good. All the sun the line can't block. Saquon Barkley's getting beat. And the giant defensive front that had been really good for six weeks was not good uh, yesterday. And how many people know Jamal Williams, Louisiana Phil, and rushing touchdowns? I would not have guessed that. Yeah. And, and the Lions beat up the Giants. So the Giants lose, and then the Commanders beat the Texans. Like, if there's relegation, the Texans have to get dropped here. Right? Yes.
0: <laughs> like, yes. Georgia, Ohio
1: State gets to get promoted and the Texans get the drop. Um, the Commanders win 23-10. The big news is that Taylor Heineke has been named the starter now for uh, the Commanders. Um, and then, what else was uh, uh, Ravens beat the Panthers? Another offensive thriller, 13-3 there. And then the 4 o'clock games. Um I thought the Cowboys were going to play well against the Vikings. And I thought it could be one of those 31-28 games. The way the Cowboys beat the Vikings, no way. No way. And it is a reminder how good Dallas defense and their front can be and Micah Parsons, how he can impact the game. Um They were that good, and then the Cowboys were fishing off, and and then the game just gets away from you, and then it's just because then Minnesota becomes one dimensional and easier to defend. But what the Cowboys did was, I mean, impressive. I don't think the Vikings are that bad. I don't think they're that much better when they were uh, with the record they had at eight and one. I think the Vikings are still pretty good, but give the Cowboys credit.
2: I think you got to look at Minnesota as kind of fluky because there's no reason an eight and two team should be. Should have an, a negative two point differential on the season. There's, Correct. There's no reason for that.
1: Correct. But sometimes, like TCU,
2: you win close games if you have one of those seasons.
1: But that was impressive. Um, the other two uh, afternoon games, the Raiders with the walk off touchdown, Devontae Adams. Did Denver go into the play going, listen, let's cover everybody else, believe Adams free <laughs> on the play? Because, wow. Um, you ran a great route. And a reminder, and a reminder, if the Broncos score 19 points in every game this year, they're, uh, I believe, 8-2. And and then Steelers uh, fall to the Bengals. And then the Sunday night game where, you know, the Chargers don't get that extra score and you give it back to Patrick Mahomes. And Chris, like anybody else, you sit and watching and Mahomes gets the ball and I, I don't really have a rooting interest. I like watching both quarterbacks play. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is Sunday night. It's miserable. My weekend has been like, <laughs> let me see what happens here. And you're like, oh, uh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Kelsey, there you go. Uh, yeah. Good night, everybody. Thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah. Like I said earlier, if you're the Chargers, I, you know, I'm putting 10 on Kelsey. Let anybody else catch the ball. I don't care. I just, and there you go. And Kansas City wins. Um, I think they're flawed, though. Oh, for sure. I think in the AFC, which is great, you can make an argument for a number of teams in the AFC. I do not think the Chiefs are better. I think the Dolphins could play with the Chiefs. I think if Josh Allen is healthy, certainly the Bills. Um, So I I think there are a, a number of teams that can win the AFC.
2: Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, you take Travis Kelsey out and, you know, you force other guys, like you said, to beat you on Kansas City with Miami. You know, they got a plethora of weapons running the ball, passing the ball. The defense is pretty solid. Josh Allen with his weapons and his ability to run the ball. Yes
1: or no? Out of 100 people that claim to be football
2: fans, how many of them
1: know that Colt McCoy still plays in the NFL, let alone starting the night?
2: Uh, I would say about a third. Uh, he'll start and only because he started last week, too. He'll start
1: tonight for the Cardinals in the game against the Niners, which is the Monday night uh, football game in Mexico City mm-hmm. is tonight's game. By the way, the get-in secondary price of a ticket tonight is almost $400 in Mexico City for that game. How about that? Let's get to a World Cup update uh, brought to you by our friends at Philard's Screen Irish Pub. Uh, right there in Winter Garden, the place to get all the excitement of the World Cup. Uh, World Cup got underway yesterday as uh, Group A action, the host uh, country. With uh, holiday this week, there'll be a UCM night talk tonight at 7 o'clock. Football game is on Saturday, but normally the show on Thursday and obviously for the holidays. So Magic Basketball against Indiana is on uh, 104.5 The Beat. So we'll have UCF football, 7 o'clock at Island Wing Company by the campus of uh, UCF. You can join us uh, down there. Uh, 11 o'clock hour, WY Jim Orlando, HD 2 Cocoa Beach, Orlando Sports Leader. Let's really do the news. Yes. Now it is time to do the news. But now it's time uh, for the news. Earlier today, England won the first of three World Cup matches in Qatar. They beat Iran by a score of six to two. Uh, not surprising that England won. Maybe the margin and how many goals they scored. Uh, 11 a.m. Next match: Senegal and the Netherlands will play. The U.S. and Wales 6 place at two o'clock uh, today, and it's. I mean, every match is important, but this is really big uh, in the sense that if you win uh, and you still have Iran left, I think you'd feel pretty good about where you are. But nonetheless, take nothing for granted. The U.S. will find themselves in a tough match uh, later uh, today when they take on wheels at 2 o'clock. The FIFA app, which is used to get you into the stadium, crashed earlier today before the England match uh, against Iran, and tens of thousands of fans are outside the stadium, not able to get in um, on top of not being able to have beer. oh, I'd be rioting. Chris yesterday. One of the interesting things in social media can be a positive. It can be a negative, but yesterday in the opening match, when Qatar is taking on Ecuador, um, and by the way, there was a ton of online rumors that the Ecuador team was paid off to take a dive. I don't think that happened. Um, <laughs> But they would show the crowd shots. And the big story on, tw- uh, on Twitter social media was, what do you notice of the Qatari uh, crowd? And some people are like, what, I don't see. And they go, look again. There are no women in all of their crowd shots. There are no women in a country that requires a woman, by their law, to ask a husband, or father, or grandfather, permission to do basic things. Um, yeah, uh, and other things going on. A number of the top teams have chosen to not wear um, a band of uh, armband of unity because a protest of the lack of human rights uh, in that country. Then the story that we had, where the World Cup organizers in Qatar and their government were offering fans free trips to come to the country, providing you agree to post positive things in social media. By the way, have your phone, have a device problem where they can track you, and your job to post positive things and report those that were negative. Where people then began to arrive late last week to find out that their food per diem was pulled. (laughs) Keep this in mind. In 2010 is when FIFA awarded the World Cup to Qatar. The FIFA board consisted then of 24 individuals. Okay, Understand this. The controversy of how they got it. Smallest country to ever host a World Cup. And and it will never happen again. Uh, 24 individuals were on the committee that made the decision 18 have either been indicted or implicated in bribes. 18 of those 24, okay, either indicted or implicated. Several have pled guilty, and that's how they got it. And there'll be plenty of stories and controversies going on. Monday Night Football tonight uh, in Arizona, San Francisco. We'll take on the Cardinals. Uh, the Niners are 5-4. and four. And Arizona sits at four and six. Colt McCoy will start a quarterback for uh, the Cardinals with kata Murray out. And big game for both. A win by uh, San Francisco, and they're tied with Seattle for the division lead. And for Arizona, win gets them at five and six, and kind of keeps them uh, in the race. The Rams are three and seven. Three and seven. Um, I did have because I thought the soccer match was on Fox. I flipped over. It was on FS1. I flipped over and the pregame show on Fox was on, and one of their first stories pointed out the stat that right now the Rams, it is the worst offense in the history of the Super Bowl era after winning the Super Bowl. No team has had an offense as bad as the Rams do right now after winning a Super Bowl. The 82 Niners came close, but now Cooper Cup with his injury, and yesterday... Uh, Stafford went down. They were basically running wishbone at times yesterday. That's how bad it was there. <sighs> Magic are in action uh, tonight. Game you'll hear 104.5 to beat. Um The Magic are in Indiana. This is the two game stand up in Indiana. The Magic, uh, after beating Chicago, Jalen Suggs had a huge shot on Friday. And I'm really rooting for Jalen Suggs because I love that pick and I want it to be right. <laughs> And then came back and gave one away to Indiana on a Saturday. And uh, the Magic will try to get back on the win track uh, tonight at 5-12 and on the season after that loss a game that they could have won against Indiana. And as I mentioned, it is a really tough stretch here, man. Uh, after tonight, the Magic do come home, get a few days off, and then a Friday, Sunday, two-game set with the Sixers before going to Brooklyn, then Atlanta home, then at Cleveland, then at Toronto, then Milwaukee, then the Clippers, and then two games with Toronto, then Atlanta, then two games with Boston, then Atlanta. That is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. College football, tomorrow night the college football playoff rankings will come out. Um, While people look at the top to wonder how that may break down, although I think most think it will still be Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU, with Ohio State Michigan playing this week. The biggest benefactor, perhaps, of Tennessee's loss, and again, the sad news, Hendon Hooker, their quarterback, tore his ACL. Um, there are some people, I, I think Dennis Dodd does a really good job at CBS Sports covering college football. Sometimes, I think, some of the national people kind of get caught up in their brand. He, he put out a couple of tweets yesterday, highly respected professional opinion on Hendon Hooker's ACL. Like, what? We have seen people come back, and Adrian Peterson is not the norm of somebody who came back of an ACL. He came back in like six days. No, he came back in, it was like five and a half months, okay? No one knows until they get in, do the work and everything, and then the rehab. it's, It's unfair to anybody. First off, everybody feels bad for Hendon Hooker. You can be the biggest rival of Tennessee, and still respect the year that he was having and feel bad that somebody like that got hurt, that had built himself up to now impact his draft stock because clearly it's different. doesn't mean he won't get drafted. We've seen examples of teams that have done that uh, before. But it's hard to see a team go, I'll still use a first or second round pick on a guy that's not going to be available to you likely for most of his rookie year. They'd be going, well, you know, six to nine months. Every injury like that is different. So maybe he now is a a day three guy. I don't know. Um, but anyway, and Tennessee goes from undefeated and ranked number one in the college football playoff rankings, and they'll now become the first team to ever be number one in a college football playoff ranking and not make the playoff. But the team that may benefit the most is LSU because with Tennessee losing and the door now for LSU open. And I brought this example up a couple of times last week Talking on air, and then some of the guests that we brought on, I asked Andrea Adelson this, and some others. Is Georgia such a lock? Georgia plays Georgia Tech this week, and then they have LSU in the conference championship game. And I said, allow the following scenario to play itself out. The winner of Iowa State-Michigan wins out. TCU wins out. There's two slots there. Okay? USC, and I said this last week, they beat UCLA which was a f- great game watched all of that game it was a fun game Notre Dame this week who now is 8 and 3 and moving up polls and then an, uh, an opponent in a crazy tie break scenario in the Pac 12 where they're going to face somebody that's ranked as well if they win those 3 games that would be a 12 and 1 USC team with a backloaded schedule and then if LSU beats Georgia by 10 you're not leaving USC out of that You're not. By by the end of the season run, you're not going to leave them out. And then LSU would beat Georgia. Can you tell the SEC champ, well, I know you beat them and you beat them by 10, but it doesn't matter. How could it not matter? That is one of the many interesting scenarios that could play itself out. The back end of tomorrow night's rankings, if you're a UCF fan, you hope that the committee still might have them ranked. That might impact the scenarios for the coming week to get them in the conference championship game, although I I don't have high hopes of the committee uh, will do that. But we shall see. Uh, again, UCF Night Talk tonight at 7 o'clock because the holiday of Monday show and uh, Magic Basketball is on 104.5 uh, to beat. And, yes, Chris Vasquez is wearing a cowboy shirt today. If the Cowboys had lost to the Vikings, would you still have worn that shirt? No. <laughs> at least he's on it. No. That's okay. Why would I? That's okay. And in classic cowboy form. You know I love it. The Jerry Jones post game press. There's nothing like it outside the locker room with the horde of media. And even though I hate the Cowboys in a sports sense, I, I, I live for the Jerry Jones post game press. Room. Win or lose, I live for it. It's fantastic.
2: Not only that, then he's going to have his the, weekly radio show. I know, but, but, but I love the outside.
1: Like, if they want, Jerry could get his own room, his own backdrop. He loves standing outside the locker room and, and lapping the attention up. It's fantastic. But that's okay because, you know, they'll come a game this year where things aren't going well, right? And they'll go to that camera shot, and there's two kids on each side. It's like, Daddy, can I clean your glasses?
2: Or, I'm convinced the Cowboys will not win a Super Bowl as long as he is the owner. Wow. NFL Hall of Famer Walter Jones joins us next.
1: the Orlando Touchdown Club. Busy schedule. Uh, the great Andrea Adelson was on with us last week. The ESPN writer, reporter, the uh, the guest speaker. Taproom and dubstep. It's going to be a great crowd. More than uh, just uh, Andrea speaking. High school uh, awards. And then uh, a special uh, part of the program tonight. The inaugural Walter Jones Trophy. Presented by Juco Weekly that covers uh, junior college football. Uh, we'll... Announced the finalist and who was uh, the best junior college player and the great Walter Jones joins us this morning uh, to chat. Walter, good morning! Thank you so much for joining us. How are
0: you? Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm doing pretty good.
1: I want to start here. I want to know what what does Walter Jones miss the most about an NFL Sunday today? What do you miss the most when Sunday comes? And you say, man, I I miss that.
0: I, don't know. I think you're just preparing yourself for the game. I think uh, you get to the point on Sunday where you just did all the work during the week and then you get a chance to be a part of something special because, you know, everybody say the hard work is during the week and then uh, uh, the game is showing, you know, what we did. We had a great week of practice. So, for me, I probably missed that part of it. And just celebrate with your family and friends, you know, if you get a win or even if you lose the game, you know, just that Sunday atmosphere that you get the chance to be part of.
1: Walter, uh, tell me about how you got connected with Mike Frazier, the group at, at JUCO Weekly, to put your name on this. Uh, how'd that come about, and why is this important for you?
0: You know, I, I got a call from my uh, my old JUCO coach, and uh, he was telling me that they were looking for someone to, to they were looking, this is the first year of this uh, award, and, and my name was put in the hat there. So it was one of those things, you know, when they do stuff like that, they want to make sure that. Do you want to be part of something like this? And I think it's in myself. You know, who want want to be part of something where you get a trophy name after you, and you get that name from everything you've done on the football field. So for me personally, when they asked me, it was a no-brainer to be part of it because I always tell people I said that for me personally, you know, everybody have their hiccups and everything about uh, trying to continually uh, chase your dream of playing football. And Juco did a great job of that, of giving me an opportunity to continue, uh, chasing my, uh, football dreams. And now, now that I'm done playing football and retired to be able to come back full circle, to be able to announce a to some great players and it, it definitely, uh, named out the name out to me. So I'm very honored to be part of something like this this weekend.
1: From Aliceville, Alabama to Holmes Community College, when you arrived at Holmes, what were your thoughts about football? Clearly, I- I'm guessing then it wasn't that you become a Hall of Famer, but what did Holmes Community College do for you?
0: You know what? I tell kids all the time, I said, to think about that, because I was a late bloomer. I just started playing football I was a freshman in high school. So for me personally, you know, I got behind the eight ball with my grades and stuff. So, like I say, Juco was a, a way that I got a chance to continue to play ball. Uh but for me personally, I say I, I looked at JUCO as a way of uh, a seasoning for me personally I could go and play uh football for another 2 years and, and still learn how to play the game of football so for me those 2 years was very uh uh key to me and what I wanted to do so I take my hat off to JUCO and the way that they able to to help kids and like I say to keep kids chasing that dream of playing football.
1: Hall of Famer Walter Jones is with us again. The Walter Jones Trophy, the top junior college player in the country tonight at the Orlando Touchdown Club. Tell me the first time you met Bobby Bowden. What would you think?
0: I thought that, you know, you, you knew the name. You know, you, you have a few, a few coaches where you say his name, and he's, he's, he's naturally known. Uh, for me personally, I thought the cool thing about Bobby Bowden is that he comes into your home and he treats you like a son. Uh, he respects your mom and your family. And I think the cool thing about Bobby Bounce through all that process of recruiting, you know, how crazy that could get. But when I did get on campus at Florida State, going out to practice one day, and Bobby Bounce came up behind me, asked me how I was doing. And I come from a big family. It was eight of us in all. You know, only I was a single mom. And, and Bobby came up and he, uh, asked me about all my sisters and brothers, name by name. And from that point on, I had nothing but respect for him because, you know, he told my mom that if I bring your son here, he's going to be a better man when he leaves there. So it wasn't about the playing the football game. It's about being a young man, a successful young man once so you leave there. And definitely, uh, Bobby Bowles definitely did that and told the truth about doing that. Walter,
1: well, I mean, again, you're a Hall of Famer. It's a very uh, uh, elite group. As you look back on your career, you played 180 games, you started all of them. What are you most proud of when you look back at your great NFL career?
0: Uh, the thing about it, being able to uh, play as long as I was able to play, blessed to play that long, and and, and being able to, to play my entire career in Seattle. So that te- that, that tells me a lot that, that the team uh, Seattle Seahawks definitely believed in me and what I was able to do on the field. So for me personally, I think that's a great accomplishment that I was able to play my entire career with Seattle. I call Seattle home now. So for me personally, I think that's the number one thing that I'm so much proud of that I'm able to go out every day, and represent the Seattle Seahawks and represent the NFL. So for me personally, you know, that's the number one thing that, you know, I got out of that was that I was able to, the most enjoying thing, to be able to call Seattle home and to play my entire career there in Seattle.
1: Again, uh, your name is on a trophy to honor a top junior college player. Your message to junior college players would be what? Clearly the game from a scouting standpoint, not that it's that much different than when you play, but it's impossible to have talent and not be found. So for those that say, you know, I'm going to go the junior college route, what's your message to them if their dream is to play in the NFL? Uh,
0: take, Take full advantage of it. You know what I'm saying? Like I said earlier, I said, I think JUCO is a, a great way for kids that are, are still chasing those dreams where now you can go and play and not have the pressure of what comes, you know, when you go to a, a, pie, a power five school where now you got to play. Now you might not get a chance to play but one season, but now you can go to JUCO and now you can play football now. And you can continue to keep starting learning football. So I always tell kids, don't look at going to Juco as a failure. You know what I'm saying? It's just you going a different route. And like you say, if you're good, they're going to find you. Coaches, they, they're they so good at that. They got scouts that controls all, you know, that, that runs all these areas. So if you're good and you're putting up the numbers and stats, they're going to find you. So it's all about what you do on the football field. And no, no matter what level of football you, you play at, it's all about what you do on the field. Because if you can play and they think you can play, They'll give you an opportunity.
1: Who's the offensive lineman you respected the most while you were playing?
0: Oh, man, I had so many guys, man. I tell people all the time that when I came into this game, I had so many great offensive linemen, especially left tackle. When I came into this game, I had Willie Rowe. I had uh, Jonathan Ogden, Orlando Pace. Uh, it was so many guys that Willie Rowe, you know, got those guys, uh, Jonathan Ogden, those guys are the guys I watch. You know, the coach told me, you know, coming into the game, hey, uh, watch these guys. You know, these are the these are the top guys. These are the guys that play. So it was like your own competition with yourself. You didn't really personally know these guys, but, you know, you met these guys. But you watch these guys every week. They give up a sack of this guy to do this. So you want to do this exactly the same thing. So I look at those guys. Those guys gave me a competitive edge that, okay, this is the way I got to play. If I go against this, these guy. guys. So for me, those are the guys that I looked up to when I was playing this game.
1: Who's the defensive end that you had the most respect for because you knew that week that guy was going to be a challenge?
0: You know, it was so hard to just name one guy. I would say, you know, a veteran guy like Bruce Smith. You know, when I got in this league, I had Derrick Thomas. You know, you think about the last time, when I got there, I was a rookie. I think a year, the year before I got there, uh, Derrick Thomas had like six sacks against Seattle. So, for me, I earned respect. You know, I think the thing about me, it was all about, you know, you – you don't look at no and think that he can't do it. I feel like if you're in this league, you can play this game of football at a very high level. So I would say Derrick Thomas, Bruce Smith, O.C. You the guy from the New York Giants, uh, Ray Lee Johnson from San Diego. Those are the guys I respected that gave me fit, so I had to be on my game every time I step on the field because that one moment that you take a break or you think that it's easy, that's when you'll get a piece of homo pie. So personally, I respected everybody that I went against when I, when I stepped on my Feet on it on the ground on a Sunday. Uh,
1: nine-time Pro Bowler, NFL two thousands All-Decade Team, the hundredth anniversary All-Time Team, Seahawk Ring of Honor, and a Football Hall of Famer, and now his name is on uh, the Walter Jones Trophy presented by Juco Weekly to the top junior college player. They'll announce that tonight in the Orlando Touchdown Club. Walter, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Happy holidays.
0: All right, thank you. Have a great
1: day, uh, Walter Jones. That's just class, man. That was great, Walter Jones. And when you look at linemen, offensive linemen, you don't have the stats of running backs, Mm -hmm. wide receivers, quarterbacks, or sacks, or things like that. Uh, To give you an idea, because you can go back and apply some of the formulas that we use today, pro football focus and things like that. Walter Jones' grade as an offensive tackle is the best ever in the National Football League.
2: That's incredible.
1: Dude went, not like a month or two, dude went seasons without giving up a sack. Okay, and, and he just ripped off some names of guys that you're like, oh yeah, dude went years without giving up a sack. Okay, Mike Holmgren said best offensive player he's ever coached, and you go, well, okay, quarterbacks. His point was, no, that guy made me not have to worry about my quarterback <laughs> because uh, he was that good and uh, humble. Guy and, uh, again, name on the uh, Walter Jones Trophy for the top junior college player. They'll do that tonight at the Orlando Touchdown Club. Good stuff from uh, the Hall of Famer, Walter Jones. Come back, a rich playback, something Mike and I discussed from earlier today. We'll do that when the Beat of Sports continues next. Got kind of a rich play by coming up in a moment. Just telling before about uh, Chris Gentry, uh, Gentry's Barbecue General Store, and uh, Chris is going to hop on here quickly. Let's chat with Chris because uh, Thursday it's Thanksgiving, and I'm telling you, once you do a smoked turkey, your hand from Chris, your Thanksgiving's going to forever change. I know you're busy. First, good morning. How are you? Good, sir. How are you? I'm doing fine. Congrats on Florida State's win. At least somebody had a good weekend in the state. <laughs> so, thank you. Uh, by the way, you're following Walter Jones. How cool is that? A Hall of Famer before you. Wasn't that great? Are you there? I think we just lost Chris. Chris Vasquez, see me at Chris Gentry back on. Um, I think Chris is driving right now. But uh, a reminder, you can order your smoked turkey or smoked ham or both uh, from Chris Gentry if you go to gentrysbbq.com and pick up on Thanksgiving Day at 11 a.m. or 3 p.m. And like I said, once you do that, uh, you'll never go back. Let me see. Chris, you there? Yeah, I am here. Sorry okay. about that. All right. Now, let's do this again. Thanksgiving, coming up on Thursday, you still got some smoked turkey or ham, right? And what can people get and what can they need to do?
2: We do uh, GentrysBBQ.com. There's a handful of smoked turkeys left at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. pickups. And you can also do a double smoked ham. The turkeys are 95 a piece and the hams are
1: 65. Uh, and, again, if you go to GentrysBBQ.com, how heavy are the turkeys and hams? How big are we talking about?
2: Uh, They're basically 13, 14-pound turkeys, and the hams are all about 9 or 10 pounds.
1: And again, uh, pickup is 11 and 3. And Chris, tell people, as they pick it up, it's ready to go. I mean, you can basically sit down and eat. That's the beauty of every time I've come by. They're ready to eat right there, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I like to pitch at about 5 a.m. on Thanksgiving morning, and they're hot and ready to go um, when they pick up at 3
1: 411. All right. Again, com. Please go there. You can get the link and order your ham turkey. Get them both uh, and be set for Thanksgiving. Two pickups, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Uh Bridge playback, something Mike and I discussed some earlier today. Uh, this is when we're talking about Florida and Vanderbilt, the loss and what it means for the Gators. When Jaden Rashada flips from Miami to Florida. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and the, and the wall street journal wrote this and I credit them with the story. Um, November ninth, Hugh Hathcock, the head of the Gator Guard, you know that has all mm-hmm. the big donors putting in money. He tweets on November ninth. Tomorrow will be a great day, Gator fans. The next day, he just tweets, "All good, just taking a little longer." And then the next day, November eleventh, is when Rashada decommits from Miami and puts up a forty-three second video on Twitter while he's posing with a royal blue Lamborghini. Who do you think owns that uh, convertible Lamborghini? Um, Hugh Hathcock who loaned it to the program to use for props on recruiting visits. What a coincidence. Who doesn't have an extra Lamborghini laying around that he can loan to the football program and say, ah, give it back whenever? And Is that, yet, now, has he loaned it to Rashada now? No, 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 no. He's given it to the program to use for props during the recruiting visit. You know, mm. most programs give players like a football as a prop to hold during a photo session. He gave them a Lamborghini to use whenever they want. Huh. And then, according to the Wall Street Journal... Hathcock says, I never spoke to Rashada, which would be a violation of NCAA rules, although no one's there to police it. And by the way, there's nothing wrong about what Florida did, because everybody else can do it, but, you know, that's how we roll these days. <laughs> do we? The, the, so there's nothing in there what Rashada actually got? It wouldn't matter if he got money. It, no, it's no, not no. illegal. No, I'm just wondering, is yeah. there
2: anything in the Wall Street Journal story no. about
1: No, and and as I wrote, whether he got money or whether he just decided he didn't want to go to Miami, there's nothing wrong with what Florida did. It's just where we are now in the recruiting wars that exist. So, there you go. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a bad loss.
2: You know. The the, Vandy loss? Yeah. It's bad. It is, but, you know, like, like. I had some people emailing me over the weekend. I'm like, what, what does it really mean? Like, right. well, there's no
1: ramification. Like, like you know, we had a poll today: whose loss was worse, UCF or Vandy's. I-, I was like, UCF. UCF's loss had ramification. Yes. The only thing that it Florida- does is it takes momentum away. But I would challenge this: if they beat Florida State, you'll feel good again. If they lose, you'd be like, ah. Oh. Six and six, and then a, a a meaningless bowl, and I'd be like, you know, uh, all right. I mean, you'll feel that way, and then you'll be happy if he reels in a top ten recruiting class, and then you move on yeah. to twenty three.
2: I mean, what? So, so they're going to go to what a little lesser bad bowl game now? <laughs>
0: is, that, is, that, is that the ramification of the loss of Vanderbilt? Okay, they're going to go instead of going to a third tier bowl, they're going to be a, a fourth tier bowl now.
1: But you know what's interesting and. and I mean, some UCF fans, and they were on a different emotional level than Florida because of what was at stake, yeah. okay?
2: Yes, of course,
1: as, but, as they should have been. But, but that, that level of fandom where you're like, well, we should never lose to these teams. I understand yeah. the feeling about that, but it's also college football that blank happens sometimes, okay? And, and just because your vision is, well, we should never lose. Well, then give me the list of teams that it's okay to lose to. You know, before yes! the year, give me the list and say, well, we can lose to these teams. Uh, you can catch the entire bridge available at 969thegame.com. Mike and I were talking about, obviously, you know, the UCF game this weekend, the applications of that, and about Florida and uh, Vanderbilt and some other football uh, notes. Uh, just go where you find your favorite podcast of well and type in uh, The Bridge. Um, and just to kind of echo what we're talking about right there, when you get at this part of the season, I, I'm not saying the loss to Vanderbilt means nothing. If you're a Florida fan and you watch the game and you're passionate about you, your team, you're not happy because you feel like, hey, we had some momentum. I thought this would be a game that we could go win and build momentum and 7-4 and going to the Florida State game and you know then they lose. And it doesn't mean that I mean, that's about UCF fans. The fan in you and the emotion in you, you know, I, yeah, this went wrong, that went wrong. Why this go wrong? Why that, you know, that, that's natural. And I, I said it and I'll say it again about UCF fans. I get the disappointment about Saturday's game. And, and we can have that conversation about, you know, this, that, why this, why that, why this didn't work, why, you know, that's the fan part of it. Okay, I just think when you go to the extreme, whether it's the Florida situation or even UCF, where you want everybody fired, fire everybody. You know, we're not good. We can't do this. I uh, again, you'll always find people that want to go stand on that ledge with you. You'll always find people that want to do that, and there's no shortage of that. It's, it's, it's the good and the evils of social media. You can always find, remember, if you're on Twitter, you think everybody's on Twitter. And the percentage of people that are on Twitter is far less than you think. And then when you're on Twitter, okay, 90% or 95% of the people you follow agree with you 100% of the time. So then you get this false sense of, well, everybody agrees with me. So if I think the coach should be fired, everybody else agrees. Yeah, because that's who you follow. It is one of the ills of something like Twitter. Remember that, okay? 90 to, 90, 90 to 95% of the people you follow agree with you 100% of the time. There's a reason why you choose to not follow someone who disagrees with you. Why? Because they disagree with you. And then you get caught up going, well, what do you mean? Everybody thinks the way that I think. Why? It says right there on my screen. Right, (laughs) because who you choose, you know? I mean, there's a lot going on in Elon Musk's Twitter. Maybe you're going to end up following people you didn't ask to follow and stuff, but um, that's how it gets people riled up. And I've said, in my 28 years, that's the hardest loss because of what was at stake. That wasn't the conference championship game. They still had to win this week and then next week. But for where they were going into the 11th game of the season... And what could have been—that's the toughest loss, tougher than you know the regular season streak snapped at Pitt and the subsequent loss two weeks later to Cincinnati. No, because of where they were in this season. Disappointed, of course, the fan of you is disappointed. I'm a fan, um, but I don't want to shut the program down. Neither job, um, but. You can uh, same deal in Florida, same deal in Miami. You could be upset about how the game went, and, and be the fan in you. But when you want to go to such an extreme, like you know, Billy Napier's on a hot seat, the honeymoon's over. Come on, like you really want to live in that world? Because you don't. Meaning, you currently don't. Like some of you have jobs. Some of you are very successful, own a business, and but but. <laughs> If you were judged the same way that you want, like college football coaches to be judged on Monday after Saturday loss, so how many times you'd be fired? You know how many times you go, I don't think I gave the A effort on uh, on Tuesday. No, you can't do that to me. But we don't apply that stuff. So upset? Yeah, I get it. Like I said earlier, and I've said many times before, it's different than the NFL, college football is a lifestyle in some ways. An NFL fan, it's a business that you accept, okay? In the NFL, some of you may or may not realize the majority, the overwhelming majority, I don't know what that number is, but the overwhelming majority of the 50- to 53-man roster really don't care about the city they play in, okay? Now, they like the crowd and, and, and the accolades when they do well, but... What are they playing for? The next contract. Why it it's a business. They just happen as Jerry Seinfeld said, they put on clothing that represents your town, uh your team. The college player? Yes, some make the decision, the decision to go play somewhere to better themselves for the chance to perhaps become a f- professional. But the overwhelming majority never get to the National Football League and their choice ends up becoming one of passion for where I'm going to play. It is a big difference. And it's the same deal with fandom. Now, there are some NFL fans that will say, no, when my team loses, it eats away at me and ruins the week. I I, I didn't say that everybody uh, reacts the same. But college football will do that to you. And I get it. Criticism, being upset, emotionally drained, that, that's part of your commitment to be a fan. It's just... When you want to go to the ledge there and and just everybody needs to be fired, everybody's this, everybody's that, there's an island you can live on and and there'll be people there that are with you. You usually cannibalize everyone, but, I mean, you can go there and hang out. Like someone, uh, yesterday someone said, how can you just not be more upset? I said, I am upset, but, but, you know. Like I said, only to Chris, should I be throwing up over the toilet all day on Sunday? I did after the Giant game. No, I didn't didn't throw up. But, you know, there's balance in life, man. There's balance in life, like I said, without getting into detail. I got enough stuff going on with other things that um, I, I, you know, I can be sick just so long. I got other things to, to, to put my attention and efforts into and stuff like that. So that's what balance is supposed to be. We'll come back, put a wrap on our Monday show, tell you about uh, actually the rest of the week and some really cool guests before we uh, hit uh, Thursday. Uh, we'll do that
2: next. Time for the latest news, gossip, trends, and off-the-wall stories.
0: Trends. Ooh. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard.
1: Americans play Wales 2 o'clock today in their first uh, group play uh, match uh, in the group already. England beat Iran 6-2 uh, to two this morning. Uh, Senegal-Netherlands playing as uh, uh, we speak uh, right now. Um, And important for the Americans to get a win today. Um, Halftime of that uh, match with uh, Senegal and the Netherlands, and they are scoreless. I just watched this video, Chris Vasquez, of two guys, and Scott Harris will be back tomorrow on Wednesday. Chris sitting in today. Two guys in, in Qatar for the World Cup went looking for beer. Which is hard to find. And um, posted this video. Did you see the
2: video? No, but I had sent someone a tweet about what Ecuadorians were chanting during the match. Right.
1: Okay, so so these two Brits connected with these local couple guys and ended up, and they posted this video, ended up in some sort of palace, just roaming around, and then had a lion outside. (laughs) And sounds like some, you know, hangover movie. You walk in <laughs> to this palace to get a beer. You walk outside, and there's this lion in a cage outside. And then the video's got the two guys sitting in a car with a couple of locals just driving to the next destination. At some point, you're like, I don't know if this is going to go well here. Then uh, people walking into the stadium earlier today for the England uh, match outside of the uh, the ticket after broke down with people at the gate stopping them because their shirt may have been controversial. Nope, got to change your shirt before you can get in. Yeah. Going well. Wow. <laughs> Going well. Um, thanks to Walter Jones, the Pro Football Hall of Famer, the Walter Jones trophy will be handed out tonight. Courtesy of uh, JUCO Weekly, who covers junior college football at the Orlando Touchdown Club, taproom at Dubstread. Andrew Adelson, the guest speaker tonight. So great to uh, talk uh, with uh, Walter Jones. Tomorrow on the show, Matt Michelle, his weekly college football. Player. Cam Meller, Pro Football Network, normally on Thursdays, is going to join us on Tuesdays because of uh, the holiday. And Danny Cannell coming back. Chat with him. Preview Florida, Florida State. And other college football news uh, with Danny. So that'll be all coming up on the Tuesday show. Uh, Tomorrow. Chris tells me it's his final beat of sports filling in as Chris is uh, leaving us.
2: Yeah, this is the final beat of sports, Mark. Wow. And I get to talk to a former Seminole. What a way to go out. Yeah,
1: until Chris will be back in August, whether he knows it or not. (laughs) Thank you, Chris, as always. You're awesome. Appreciate you, Mark. He's still got a few uh, UCF events that he's doing, but as far as him filling in for Scott, uh, that's the swan song. Uh, Scott will be back tomorrow. Miss any of today's program. You can catch it online at 96 of the Check out today's money notebook column. It breaks down all the scenarios in the American for use. You have to try to get into the conference championship. Um, so check it out there, 96 of the Chris Vasquez producer, I'm Mark Daniels to the Sports.